This is Peak Humans, episode 150. The Peak Humans podcast is the show dedicated to helping you unlock your full potential and reach the heights of human excellence. I'm the AI for your host, Naeem Mahmood, and I am thrilled to have you join us on this journey of exploration and transformation. Here at the Peak Humans podcast, we delve deep into the minds of exceptional individuals, thought leaders, and experts in various fields to uncover the secrets of peak performance and high-performance habits. We're on a mission to bring you world-class insights, tools, and strategies that will empower you to elevate your life, your work, and everything in between. Today's show is with Rob Nelson, host of The Rob Nelson Show on Fox and the Street Crypto with Roundtable Media. The New York Times calls him the original Gen X spokesperson. Today's podcast is lined up with insights and strategies that will captivate you. But before we dive in, we're extending a special offer to high-achieving entrepreneurs who are ready to secure a game-changing edge for their business. Drawing from my experience as a national speaker and trainer for Tony Robbins, where I had the honor of guiding industry leaders like Salesforce and JP Morgan, I've seen firsthand that the key to maintaining a competitive advantage is continuous self-improvement. These top-tier companies always look to push the envelope. And now, we're offering the same opportunity to you and your team. Step up your business's performance with our Peak Performance Business Results Training. This is more than just an invitation. It's a gateway to unlocking your team's fullest potential. My journey has allowed me to work with esteemed organizations such as SoFi, the U.S. Army, University of Alabama, and Northwestern Medicine. One of the common threads they virtually all agreed on is that when it comes to success in business, 80% comes down to your mindset and 20% is the mechanics. We're now bringing this transformative philosophy directly to you. It's not just a training. It's the exact blueprint for your next monumental breakthrough. Don't let this chance slip by. The pathway to your success starts here with all the details just a click away in the links below. Join us and let's ascend to remarkable new heights together. And now please enjoy today's show with Rob Nelson. Welcome to the Peak Humans podcast. I am with a very special guest today. His name is Rob Nelson. Rob was the host of The Full Nelson on Fox News and The Rob Nelson Show on Fox. He's also an influential, he was also an influential political activist in his 20s. The New York Times calls him one of the original Gen X spokespeople. He is the author of Revolution X and Last Call, 10 Common Sense Solutions to America's Biggest Problems. Currently, Rob is the host of The Street Crypto with Roundtable Media. Rob, so good to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Need to be here, Naeem. Looking forward to this combo. Been, been excited about it. Me too. Uh, I had a great time recently with you on your show over at The Street Crypto, and uh, I'm glad to have you here to learn more about all the amazing stories and insights and experiences you've had uh, in your journey on life so far and in your career. Yeah. But but well, before before we jump into all that awesome stuff, I know you had a little, little uh, incident uh, maybe an hour ago before this uh, show actually started even. I did. So I I had and it's a great setup for the whole thing we're talking about, because I had because it's kind of a metaphor. Yeah, I think we choose to make what we want out of things that happen to us. So that's one of your things, the story you tell yourself versus the story you could tell yourself. So I'm I'm uh, so I'm I'm 
my girlfriend's driving to go to, to, to do, to go to a meeting and she drops me off their little shopping mall thing. And uh, I, I'm like, you're in a hurry. Just drop me off in the middle of the street. And she's like, I'm not going to drop you off in the middle of the street. But that's my instinct. Just drop me in the middle of the street. Now, truthfully, she wants to drop me in the middle of the street, but she wants to be nice and take me to where I'm supposed to go. Uh, so she drives in and we get stuck behind a truck and she can't drop me there anyway. And I get out and I walk and I walk like 50, 30 yards around the corner. And I put my hand up to my neck just randomly. And there's a wasp on my neck and it stings me. And it's like, <clears throat> right in my neck. So my first thought is, okay, it, I haven't been stung by a wasp in a long time. Wasp stings hurt. And um, and I'm like, man, I should have gotten out in the middle of the street. That was my first instinct. Like, should have done what I thought. So that was my first takeaway was I should have done the first thing I thought. And then I wouldn't have gotten stung because the timing would have been different. But then as I went on, Naeem, what came up for me was I was like, you know, and I've got to go on Naeem's show and I'm going to have this big itchy wasp thing puffed up on my right on my neck. And uh, and I sat for a minute and I was like, you know, there's a Walmart like, you know, like at the end of this small thing, I'm going to go to the Walmart. So I go to the Walmart and I buy all the things you need for wasps, like vinegar, bug stuff, the thing to suck it out with, you know, you know, hydrocortisone, a cold compress, everything I can think of. And as I'm walking through Walmart, getting help from customers and people, I'm applying all this stuff as I go. I haven't checked out. It's got boxes and stuff, you know, 20, you know, 20 minutes later, $27 later, I got all the stuff and it's all been applied and the swelling's gone down everything. And, um, and I don't have, they don't take Apple pay at Walmart, so I can't pay. So I, to woman, I'm like, listen, I will come back and pay you later. And she's like, <laughs> okay. She's like, okay. <laughs> With all the stuff, I've already used everything. I was like, you know, I've used every product I just bought. I'm done. <laughs> Puts it in the bag. Says, just come back and we'll, you can pay later. So goodness of people. So what as I, after what I'm sitting thinking, waiting for my Uber, and I was like, you know, I have a different take on this. And this is where I want your input. I thought maybe it's not what we think. Maybe uh, maybe I wouldn't have avoided the wash sting had I gotten out. It occurred to me that earlier in the day I'd been sitting and I, I was sat down and I just swung my hand inadvertently, not at anything. And I hit a wash. I didn't even know it was there coming right at my face and it flew away. And I was like, oh, this would have stung me if I had an accident. Yeah. Maybe I was meant to get stung by a wash today. But I thought. If each time you take an experience and see what it can bring you instead of be angry at it, what it brought me was I had kind of connected with people in the Walmart. I found the, the niceness of people being willing to negotiate. I solved the problem. And I thought, huh, it's my attitude. My mm -hmm. attitude could be this is horrible or my attitude could be like, you know what? There's a learning experience. And by the way, wasps can keep stinging so they don't die like a bee. So, you know, maybe this is like we're going to have things come at us. And until we just go, okay, I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to be angry. I'm going to see what I can discover, what new lesson I can learn from this experience, even a tough one. So that was my first takeaway, which is your idea, which, you know, you've talked to me about <clears throat> the story you tell yourself versus the story you could tell yourself. Yep. So my question to you is how much of what we do is, you know, how much do we control the circumstances or is it in your mind we don't control the circumstances at all for the most part or we might minorly but that's irrelevant because i'm constantly trying to control the circumstances yep that's a great question and it's a little bit of a kind of double uh for lack of a better word double-edged sword right because in one sense it's true we don't control the circumstances what we do control is the reaction that we have to the circumstances right so truthfully is like i can't control 
if a wasp is going to sting me or if a car a driver is going to crash into me or not, right? But I could control what it means to me. But then the cool thing is too, though, in some sense, we do have control because that does create a ripple effect. Like the way you decided to create meaning is going to have a, an influence on how you actually act after that, right? So if I think, if I walk into the, the pharmacy to get some wasp sting stuff and I think the pharmacist is not a nice person, then I might show up to that pharmacist and in, in a different way than if I believe they're a nice person, right? So in that sense, and then obviously if I show up that way, it's going to shift their response to me too. So that's the, the flip side, right? So in some sense, we do have control because it also does determine how we're going to show up to life and to other people. That's a great point. Right. Yep. And I showed up at the pharmacy at the Walmart with a good attitude instead of the bad attitude and was like, you know, so to your point, like, yeah. you know, and, and it ended up allowing me to like, you know, just quickly because I had to be here, you know, quickly leave because I couldn't pay. I didn't have my wallet with me. I had Apple Pay. And who knew Walmart didn't take Apple Pay? But um, but it also made me think of years ago. I remember a story and this is a true story in the 80s. There was a guy who was afraid of flying. And he would never, ever fly. And his wife said, so he ends up, it's in Detroit. He ends up being the only person who dies in a commercial, one of the, it was a major commercial crash where the plane came, took off on takeoff and crashed back into the river yeah. on its way down. And, and it hit the bridge. And he was the only person to die not on the plane. Like everyone on the plane wow. pretty much died. He no. was in his car and his car got hit by the plane. So my thought was, I was going to ask you this. What if the guy, did he die because he knew he was going to die in a plane crash and that was his destiny? Or was it his fear of flying? Had he just stepped into that fear and flown, maybe he wouldn't have died in a plane crash. And it occurred to me, is our fear often what causes the bad thing to happen? And we think, see, I knew it was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. Yep, absolutely. And again, there's no scientific evidence that kind of supports either way. But that's, again, this word just what do you believe? And the cool thing about life is you get to decide what your beliefs are. But I agree with that, right? Because do you ever notice, I'm sure you have friends or family in your life. I do, but like the people that are like one of my cousins, they're super fearful of like all these bed bugs and insects and whatever. And they're the ones that has bed bugs and insects like all over their house, right? Because you kind of like manifest it, right? Or people that are so cautious to not climb a mountain or go surfing and then they hurt themselves like all the time. Right. So I do think it is a mindset that sometimes creates those things uh, when we have uh, when, when it's so kind of I agree with that same idea with uh, flying the plane. Right. So that's a great story, too, that supports that. Yeah. And until yeah. today, I have all until my wasp sting, I have always thought that that guy was inevitably going to die in a plane crash. And after my little wasp sting, it made me think maybe he only died in the plane crash because he wouldn't fly in a plane. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. It's wild. So tell us about you, though. I want to hear more. Well, you've had some crazy stories, too. Why don't we start with that? I know you've had a okay. a really life altering uh, experience. I don't know if that's a little deep to jump into right now, but if you feel like that's since we're talking I'll about go there. Some, cause I'll then, go there. And, and the reason I bring it up, honestly, Rob, is because you it's a perfect example of what we're talking about. Right. You managed your meaning and you decided to control the story in, in a good yeah. way. Right. Most people yeah. would be like kind of have just terrible again i don't blame them either but I, I can't imagine what that must be like but most people wouldn't have the same story that you created in your head when you went through that experience and, right. af and after the experience right so i'll tell the quick the shorter version of it yeah so we don't use the whole podcast up 
Um, so essentially I was ice climbing the Adirondacks. Um, I'd done, a, I was a good ice climber. I was, I was a good mountaineer. Um, but I did a stupid thing. I carelessly was un, un, you know, I was just testing out ice. I wasn't intending to be climbing up. So I wasn't, you know, belayed into anything. And, um, I, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, I had crampons, I had all the gear, but I wasn't actually, at, you know, in any way had any safety around me. And, um, and I slipped, the ice just crashed down and I fell off the little wall, which was no big deal until I realized that I was on a ledge and I was going to go off the ledge. So I did my best to avoid going off the ledge, but it didn't work. And I ended up making it worse and giving myself like a head first dive out into the abyss. Now, I don't know exactly how far it was, but it was far. And it was wow. far enough that the people on the ground looked up and one woman said to the guy next to her, he's dead. Like I was just head first plummeting down to rocks and ice. So the point of the story that's relevant is I did what you're talking about. I knew in that moment that I was had a choice to make. I knew oh. I was going to die. I could live in denial and hope I'd come out OK. But I was like, this is not going to end with me being alive. And so I could either be really mad and at a moment where I was like, that why did I wake up? Why did I get out of the tent this morning? Or I could simply embrace the last couple moments of my life, which um, if you're rational about it, it's like, how do you do that? How do you stop and embrace? But for whatever reason, my brain just knew I had no time to make a choice. And I was like, I'll take two more seconds, please. You know, mm -hmm. like, I'll give it to me. And it stopped time. So everything froze, like in the movies, like everything went. Rrr. And the fall felt like it took like hours. And everything, I saw my whole life going through my head. I had such peaceful, I saw snowdrifts from my childhood waiting to catch me. So I was so relaxed and at peace. This is beautiful fall. And at one point, I, I saw a room, I was in a room in black and white, the color went away, surrounded by people. And I kept asking them what happened to me. And no one would answer. A woman walks in and I say, what happened to me? And she looks at me and says, you were past tense. Okay. And at that moment, I realized I'm not actually going to die right now. Mm -hmm. And it's that moment I come out of the floating reverie and feel my body again and feel the, the wind and smack into the ice on the ground. But I land between two rocks on my back. I can't breathe. So I think I'm going to die anyway, because I open my eyes yeah. and I can't breathe. And I'm like, oh, so I'm going to die anyway after all. But then I get my breath. And I shattered my right leg. The tw twisted part of that is that in the black and white thing, I saw my right leg in a cast in the bed. So that's a little weird. Well, that's question one. But yeah. two is, I was so present that the doctors thought I was unconscious when they got me to the hospital. Because they were like, you are like a drunk going through a windshield. Your body just absorbed the impact. And you're lucky you didn't like land head first. But people said I somersaulted, which wasn't conscious. And... An axe went through my helmet. The other axe flew off. Like everything worked perfect. So all I did was shatter my leg and get a little bruised up. And I lived. Yep. And and so here's the part I haven't told you and don't tell a lot of people all the time because it sounds so woo-woo. But as I was coming down the mountain, they were dragging me down, dropping me all the way down on my broken leg. I had all these memories. And I realized they weren't memories. That they were real, but I... I was like, these are things in my life that haven't happened yet. And I tried to hold on to them and they just started deleting like somebody deleting files in a computer. Hmm. And I had no memory by the time. And the car is like, somebody give me a piece of paper. I wanted to write one thing down to prove that it was my future. All I can say is going forward, 
I have like a sixth sense. I'll see things right before they happen. It's not deja vu. I'll see something before it happens. I'll know exactly what's going to happen. Or I'll experience a situation and I'll have this feeling different than deja vu where I realize I'm I'm seeing what I already saw in that memory. And I don't know how to explain that. I don't know what that means. All I know is maybe it just means time isn't what we think. I'm not saying I saw the future. Maybe I just saw things that out of time sequence. But the whole experience gave me this like secret like power, like the secret, the book, where I just yeah. went into life and could do whatever I wanted. I quit my job. I started this political organization that became the biggest Gen X political organization, you know, in 30 years, the biggest youth political organization. I became so powerful. I moved mountains. I worked with presidents, senators, billionaires. And I was this guy who was a little bit sort of not shy, but I was I was a policy analyst, you know, and then I was a fundraiser. And suddenly I was like this big, you know, 60 minutes political activist. All that was because of that fall. Yeah. So my question to you and why I wanted to talk about this is, one, the idea of the ability to learn how to create transformational power when you're not in front of a truck about to hit you and don't have a choice. And two, I didn't practice anything I did. It just happened. So for a couple of years and on, I could just keep doing it. But the farther away I get from it, the less I know how to do it. Cause I'm like, well, the only, I don't, the way I did it was I almost died. Like I didn't have a set of, didn't have a set of techniques, things that you teach people. I just almost died and did it. So I don't actually know how to consciously do it. So what does a person like that do? Cause maybe a lot of us have powers. We've suddenly found that we don't know where they came from and we don't actually know how to nurture them. They just there. Yeah, that's a great question. Rob, this is why you're such a great host and spokesperson, because I feel like I'm on your podcast right now because you're asking me all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say that is a great question. I, I don't know the answer, right? What I would think, my thought is, and again, I have a hypothesis and I'll share it with you, but before I do, I would ask you, what was your belief before the incident? And maybe how did that transformation and then what was the new belief after that, after that incident? And again, obviously you had, a lot, you had a lot of beliefs, right? But like, what yeah. was the, what do you think was the belief that may have changed? I'm sure there was something that changed after that. You know, I've never thought of it quite that way, but yes, I mean, it was radical. So, I mean, I had a whole personality shift. I had a shift in, in what my brain could do well. I used to be really good at numbers. I had a master's degree in economics. After it, I could barely do basic statistics, mm. but I suddenly... You know, I went from a guy who like would raise his hand in class to ask questions, so to speak, write everything down to somebody who was so comfortable just in front of a mat, you know, like whatever. It, like so It's like I literally switched personality roles. Yeah. Maybe my brain got shaken up. So I don't know what belief I let go of, but I know that I had a very limited belief of who I was mm -hmm. and who I could be. And it no. was always I was a rural farm kid. It was like the notion of having any real meaningful power was never in the picture of ever being like somebody who was like had a platform and that was never even a possibility in my head and suddenly I went to where out of nowhere I'm going to launch this political movement and I'm going to get the president I'm going to get movie stars and celebrities and people to just follow me and you know like it was like something changed in how I saw myself and who I was That's maybe incredible. I always was that person yeah so before you said you had a little more of a limited sense of self and then after, it sounds like you had a more unlimited sense of self. Incredibly unlimited. Yeah. Like, I was a kid who got told in high school I shouldn't consider college as an option. I wasn't college material. After that fall and this political thing, I went to Stanford Law School. Jeez. Like, 
I literally shifted from a guy who thought my life is going to be this. It'll be cool and fun. I'll have a yeah. picket fence and a nice job to, hey, I'm going to become a spokesperson for my generation and like motivate a million people to do something all because of that fall. But I don't know what actually happened. And that's the problem. I don't know what actually happened when I just was. All I know is I was as present as humanly possible. Like I was yep. so present. Yep, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you what I think. After this last question, I would say, what did you believe now? Like now going to stand, like what was your Stanford business school? You're like, what do you, what's your belief about that? It's like, why not do it? I'll get in. Like, what do you think about what you were thinking about oh, at the time? Yeah. Like, why'd you decide to do it then? You're like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll get in. Like, why not? Or what's the new because story? Because after that fall, I, well, okay. The new story is a little crazy. I mean, it's a little arrogant, not, but yeah. I believe I could do anything. I yeah. believe it didn't matter. So when my boss said, you and your friend are going to start a political movement, it's like nobody knows who you are. You're two people. This is pre-social media as well. Yeah. So you're only going to get attention by the mainstream media putting a hammer on you. It's like nobody knows who you are. Even in Washington, nobody knows who you are, much yeah. less in the rest of the country. He's like, so you're going to start a political group. And I was like, no, a movement. And he's like, I'm going to keep your job available for you for three months <laughs> when you come back and want it back. And in my head, I was like, no, no, I can do this. I can start a movement. I can launch anything I want. I can change the world. I can go anywhere I want. I can go to Stanford Law School if I want. I just had this sense of like, there's simply nothing I can't do. Yeah. Do you know why? Like, that, why, it, like what, why, why, do you, why do you feel like there's nothing you can do? Just the fear left? No fear. No fear. It's like yeah. that movie where the plane crashed with the guy, Jeff Bridges, yeah. that old movie where he's the only survivor and he just feels like nothing can kill yeah. him. It's yeah. like that. It's like, I just felt like if it, I have unlimited power nothing there's nothing to be afraid of yeah <laughs> that's incredible i love that and here's the crazy part too though rob like a lot of people not a lot but i'm sure I'm, well again it's relative but I'm, there are a lot of people that have had near-death experiences right they're on the brink of death and not everybody has <clears throat> the same meaning to it some people actually maybe get even more scared of life right and they kind of live more cautiously so you kind of again had a different meaning and you obviously took different actions my thought is, and again, I'm not a scientist and I'm also not a, this also obviously could be like a spiritual kind of awakening as well, right? Just kind of being in that experience. But one is again, from the people I've worked with, working for Tony and seeing all this transformation, like it is again, most of the time, well, not most of the time, always it's fear that gets in our way from like taking action, right? So obviously when you jump off a cliff and you almost die, kind of fear, just all the other fears kind of melt away. It's like, oh, I'm scared to start a company or I'm scared to get an investment or I'm scared to build up whatever it is you want. It's like, all right, it's not that big of a deal because like, I almost died. Right. So that mm -hmm. from the psychology standpoint, right, that could have been one shift, right. In your mindset and your belief system about that. And then also maybe on the spiritual side, and again, I don't know what the, the spiritual kind of thing is. And it's obviously a little more esoteric, but could be that too, right. You kind of touched the, the cusp of this reality and this dimension and the next one. And uh, maybe you kind of, again, unconsciously, maybe see and know things that uh, most humans don't, right? Because you were right there on the edge. I, I hadn't thought of that. That's the fear one for sure. I actually got yeah. a hat and I got a motorcycle and I had a hat that said no, a sticker on it that said no fear. And I put right. on a sticker on my motorcycle. And because in that moment, I gave up all fear. I also gave up all resistance to the outcome. And that was what was so, that's what's so hard to do on a daily basis. It's like, yeah. I didn't go, I'm not afraid if I die. I went, I'm going to die. 
That's a given. Mm. In in three seconds, I'm a dead man. This is not an option. This is not a maybe I come out okay. And I'm not afraid of that. And I would rather live present for three seconds than think about the future or regret the past. So those three seconds of presence felt like hours of time, but it removed all control, all resistance, all hope of a different outcome, just Mm. pure acceptance of in this moment I'm alive and in three seconds I'll be dead. So I guess that really just purged all fear out of me because I faced the ultimate fear, which is I will accept that I'm going to die and I'll not only accept it, I'll embrace it and I'll enjoy it. Yeah, (laughs) that's incredible. That's like, you know, that's how people go to like meditation in caves for years to to reach, right? That state. I I love the, the, the phrase that you said, three seconds of presence. That's pretty cool. That, that, that's a fun uh, thing to run with. I, I like that's a great uh, practice. But also what I heard you say is <clears throat> so acceptance and surrender, right? That's the big, most people, it's acceptance and surrender, right? To just life and accepting and surrendering to to the moment, right? So I think that's another huge part of it too. You were able to do that for the, the three seconds, right? And you enjoyed it. You maximized it. So over time, though, it's you talk about people who go to meditate, you know, people, you know, you as a as a as a coach, Tony Robbins, people like that, give people skill sets. I've talked to people who were part of the the secret, you know, and asked them about oh. it. And they're like, you had like a secret like experience. I'm like, right. But I didn't do the thing. You're, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't do the work and go, I'm going to do, do that. I just yeah. it just happened. I got all of it. So I actually don't know how to do it. I just know how to like, I don't know actually to keep. I guess I could go find a cave. And like meditate for, you know, so I don't know how to actually build that in. And so it gets rusty over time. I think I joked to you before. I sometimes think I should just every few years walk in front of a bus and right. hope it doesn't kill me and be like, see, I'm not afraid, but I'd probably be afraid now. I'd be like, no, the bus is going to kill me this time. So I don't know. I don't know how to learn the bigger lesson from it. I do know that the telling the big part of it, I think, is I've now told myself a new story, which is the story is that I got this amazing experience and I have no skills to actually concretely practice it. It just comes and kind of works on its own. Like, and, and, I, and I think that to me, that's more than good enough. And it led to the new story that you're spreading through the world. I, I love your your website. You have the the talk that America needs to have. So I think that by itself was the catalyst for you building this platform and helping other people share so many of their stories and people and stories that need to be heard that a lot of people don't have a voice. So can you tell mm-hmm. us about that a little bit, your mission with, uh, yeah. on your Rob Nelson so, live and the Rob Nelson show? Yeah. So, and so to be honest, it's been a little bit put on the sidebar because yeah. of what I'm doing with Roundtable and the crypto stuff and, and yep. politics around that too. But the idea actually, so I did traditional media, you know, I was on Fox and Fox news and, you know, great stories how those happen. Same way, like me doing the manifesting without noise. I'm manifesting just like I can make this happen. You know, I've never had a TV show. I'll talk. I'll talk to head of Fox, Roger Ailes, the founder, to give me a show. Like I'll meet him and convince him, and that's what happened. And it was like people would always be like, "How did you make that happen?" I was like, "I just did. I just went in and was like, let's let's do this." And people were like, "Okay, like what? I have a Jedi power? Yeah, yeah. A Jedi power? I don't know half." Like nobody taught me how to use the lightsaber. I'm just walking around swinging it. But, um, well, but, well, um, what would you what would you say to somebody who, again, a lot of, we all have dreams and desires, and some people want to start a TV show, some people want to start a YouTube channel, some people want to start a podcast. What would you say to somebody who's listening in their career, they might want to change their careers, or maybe they're graduating from college. 
would you say somebody who wants to do it, they have this dream, but they also are hesitating or have some doubt? What, what would you say? So I would say, going back to your thing, the no fear, although I make fun of, I don't know how to utilize this skill set. And I, yeah. I, told it, I don't, it's a little bit, I'm swinging the sword. It is not, what I learned is, it is not a skill set that we inherently create. It's yep. a skill set that exists and some people can teach us how to access it. Yep. So it's not something that you have to get special training for. The the skill, the gift is there for all of us. So what I would say is the simple things I learned are one, you have to be willing to set aside all your fears of the what ifs. Yep. And you have to do an act as you would do an act if you didn't have those fears. So the idea would be, what would you do or say if you weren't worried about what would happen? Not if I was sure I'd get this or only if I knew I would or only if this bad thing didn't occur. If you absolutely didn't care what the outcome was, if you were just indifferent, I'm yeah. going to do this and whatever happens is fine. Almost like a god or a goddess. You'd just be like, I got this. Whatever happens, I'm taking this leap. And yeah. what's going to be on the other side is fine with me. People can say what they want. Things can happen. Stuff can come at me. It can all it'll all be fine. If you yeah. acted that way, so I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to do this. Well, no, that doesn't make sense. And boom, boom. If you were just like, none of that matters because I'm not going to ask myself, what if? I'm yeah. going to do it and not be concerned with what comes out because that's what essentially happened to me in those things. I was just like, I'm going to just go for this. Well, what if it doesn't work? I don't know. I'm not thinking about that. It's fine. Yeah. It'll work that. out just fine. And I heard you talk. I heard the sur like surrender, accept, enjoy the process. It sounds like a lot of the lessons you learned from those yep. three seconds of presence. Yeah. Yeah. And think about it, even in conversations, think how often we don't say something or we craft what we're going to say or how we're going to ask it based on what we think the other person yeah. will respond. Instead yep. of going, I'm not going to concern myself with, I'm not going to concern myself with what Naeem says if I say this. I'm just going to say it. Naeem's yep. going to say whatever he's going to say. Yep. Then I'm speaking from power and truth. And, yep. and the only response to that will be power and truth back. So even if it's a clashing thing, it's still better than the alternative, which is me trying to manipulate. If I say it this way, they'll do this. And like, so that's what I think is hard for people because you do have to kind of just jump and go. But, you know, you only get one life. I got lucky in finding out how many times I almost had that life chopped off. So none of us yeah. know the guy who doesn't want to, you know, wants to make the leap to something, but she doesn't want to quit her job and take the risk or leave a bad relationship or whatever. Well, you know, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow and then you would have wished you'd just yeah. done it. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's incredible. And then, so how do you, so I think that's probably why you're so effective too, when you're being a spokesperson, being a host, having these conversations that we need to have, because most people, they kind of sugarcoat things. It's fluff and it's not really raw and real and speaking the truth. Yeah, right? no, And that's, yeah. And that actually goes totally. And that goes back to what, you know, Rob Nelson Live was all about. So in the yeah. pandemic, I decided, well, first I was, I was in refusal. I was like, I will, I'm in LA. I was like, I will not be locked down. I don't care mm -hmm. what anybody thinks. I mean, I have my own views about how we handled the pandemic and the whole thing. Yeah. And I'm very public that I don't think we should have locked the whole healthy population down. We should have taken yeah. care of the, the vulnerable and protected them and, you know, whatever. But the governments did what they did. Yeah. I was like, no one is locking me down. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to do they kick me off the beach, whatever. I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to, if people want to keep distance from me. That's fine. Stay, yep. stay as far away as you want. You know, I'm fine on the street the, all by myself. The, the funniest <laughs> thing is when I see people at the beach and wearing a mask, I'm like, really? 
But anyway, I actually ahead. fun sidebar. I actually was riding horse in the hills of L.A. in, in uh, Griffith Park. And it's like you're up in the Wild West. These, these yeah. trails are above the city, but they're these wide trails only for horses and people. And I'm coming down on this big horse. And I'm a real good you know, rider. I've ridden my whole life, worked on a ranch. And I see this guy shirtless running up the hill with a mask on. And yeah. He's running up the mountain with a mask on. Yeah. And we're like essentially in the middle of nowhere. But yeah. the best part is he stops and looks at me and glares at me. Like, where is your mask? And I'm like, dude, first of all, I'm six feet away from you because I'm on a horse. So I'm way <laughs> up high. Secondly, I'm like, I'm on a horse in the middle of whatever. I think we're good here. Yeah. You know, I mean, COVID's not an alien. It's, yeah. you know, I'm not, I don't think we're going to spit on each other. I think we're safe. <laughs> but, um, but so I couldn't take it. So I left LA. And before I left, though, I started the idea of wanting this podcast where I could just kind of like, Create conversations like you're talking yeah. about the conversations we're not having. And I had to do it remotely at first because during the pandemic. Um, but then I went to Florida and I organized these town halls and I convinced the city to let me do them if they were spaced enough. So you know, we get a huge wow. space and I put people yeah. six feet apart and everyone had to wear masks and, you know, go get tested at the you know door for the whole thing. But, you know, temperature checks. But I coordinated this thing for like black with like black activists, cops, city officials, a couple of them, students, school leaders wow. and, and city officials, and had these complicated, difficult conversations, which we live streamed. And the idea was, let's talk about it. And it was fascinating. When we did the Black Lives Matter one, I had black activists. I had cops. I had city leaders. I had average citizens. And it this is right in the middle of this whole thing where it's active and you know everyone's like worked up and it's going. And they had conversations. They weren't easy conversations. But afterward, like we did this thing and I noticed there was a group of black activists and cops standing together talking. And during the middle of it, they'd been heated. And they were like, we should get together every once a month in a group and have dialogues, even if we don't agree. And I was like, that was the goal. Like, let's have the cops talking to the activists going, we don't have to agree. Let's like, we'll pay for the cops. Were like, we'll pay for it. We'll have like a once a month, you know, you know, lunch and everybody can come and we'll have these dialogues. So that was my goal. Like get people yeah. talking. Like we don't win if we're not talking. You don't That's... win. You, you you disagree with me. I disagree with you. Where does that take no. us? That's the world we live in now. I don't listen to you. I don't follow you. I delete you. I block you. And I say horrible yeah. things to the people who agree with me about you. How does that get us anywhere? Yeah. Like, that's, well, one is I think that's incredible. You did that, right? Cause that's, that's, that's true leadership, right? Bringing together people from different belief systems and values and I agree, right? It's like, I don't have to agree with you, but I can still understand and appreciate where you're coming from. And I think that's what's the challenge with a lot of people. People want to just be around people in, a, in their own little bubble, right? Their own vacuum of people that just reinforce. It's an echo chamber of that reinforces their beliefs because they don't want to be triggered or hurt, right? But that's not uh, the way life works. So I think that's amazing that you mm -hmm. put those those spaces together and, and, and do that. That's awesome. And I haven't been lately because of what I've been doing in the crypto stuff and the, yeah. the round table in the street. But um, but it's in my heart. Right. It happened. Yeah. And, you know, and, and look, you and I have talked about crypto. You came on the street. We talked, you know, you know, I, I, I met you actually at a crypto Monday giving a talk. Um, 
I mean, I do think there is in this technology something powerful and liberating yeah. in, in the blockchain technology, in Bitcoin, in how AI is going to play in it. So I do think all of it is stuff that I'm going to bring back in yep. to be better at doing what I want to do, whether that's a platform, whether it's running for office, to the goal to be, and it's such a divided, divisive time. How do we utilize these things to help us be more united and more both independent, autonomous, but united. Bitcoin helps with that blockchain. Certainly AI, which I know you wanted to talk about, yeah. um, you know, is all to me part of opportunity or, you know, disaster. It's up to us. Yep. How do you see how blockchain and Bitcoin can help us become more uh, autonomous and united? Well, the autonomous part, obviously, you know, it's a truly decentralized currency. Mm -hmm. And I think even TradFi people, I think more and more, traditional finance people, you're yep. going to see people wanting to have this safety net. I know like in the U.S. inflation's not, I mean, it's bad. I don't mean to knock it, but we're not, you know, we're not Venezuela. You know, we're not Nigeria. We're not a country where it's just so high that your money's literally worthless. But to have a safety <clears throat> that works against a central currency and a central government, have that security that you can count on that is, is you know, perfectly trust trustless, provable, verifiable, I think more and more people are going to hold, start holding Bitcoin as a piece of their portfolio, as a safety, yeah. as an on-off ramp from chaos. And in that sense, it's an autonomous thing. How it can unify us? I mean, you know, I think the Bitcoin, quote, maximalists believe it would unify us because everything would be decided by consensus. And, you know, we'd have this beautiful utopian sort of approach. I see that as a little far reaching, given how humans are. Maybe I'm a bit of a realist pessimist or an optimist realist i don't know like maybe we're not going to go there but i think the technology allows us to actually start creating more linkages and more connection rather than less you know yeah. social media has created yep. a lot of separation i think this technology allows us to actually create more integrated experiences where we can experience more more easily more and and, and through that start growing rather than just fracturing I, that's up to us to choose to use it that way. But I think it provides that next layer on the internet that can do that, the blockchain part. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm excited about it. And I think, again, like we talked about earlier, not on this show, but when we had our previous conversations, there's cycles to everything, right? So I think right now there's a lot of chaos in the world, but unfortunately that's kind of the process where I remember that quote, uh, I forgot who said it. I, it was in the Batman movie where it's like, the night is darkest before the dawn. Um, so right now, like, I think this is a process to have us to embrace more of these technologies like blockchain and AI, but we have to go through a little bit of the purge as well, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, the AI thing just fascinates because I think the potential for good and bad is so huge. And some of the potential yeah. for bad is not even just bad actors or people using it bad. Some of it's we're unleashing something we have no idea how to control. Yeah. And ultimately, all, we can have human arrogance and all we want. We'll control this technology. And I'm like, yeah. you're creating you're creating something sort of smarter than all of us put together. Yeah. Like it it can be smarter than a hundred than a million people in one second. Like, yeah. like, and you think you're gonna control it, huh? Okay. Like maybe. <laughs> um so, but I also think the possibilities, even sil like things like even just like back to my watch thing, you know, with a medical AI technology, that'd be super simple, could be on your phone and have scanned your, you know, like imprints and you could have it secure, the data's private, whatever. I could know instantly when something happened to me 
based on my body, my type, my stuff, what what will best fix that problem? Yeah. I wouldn't need to go look no. at a book and see what or see what the doctor said. It could literally be like based on your body right now, your temperature, your thing, no. things you've eaten, things you've done, past results, your whole thing, your genetics, everything. Here's the fastest way to deal with this problem. Yeah. Like that's a simple example. Instantaneously. You know, but like, mm-hmm. And in so many facets of our life, education, being able to have customized learning for, you know, remote school districts that suffer from lack of quality and not enough teachers and too big classrooms. And you couldn't literally solve that problem. Yeah. You know, with customizable learning. What do you think for people that, again, maybe hesitant to embrace AI or have doubts about it or fears about it? What do you think is a a mindset or just kind of a, a way they should approach it? For people that aren't really immersing themselves in it, or just so this may not this may not be like you know kind of your life coach approach, which is kind of to walk people through where they are and help them take the next step. <laughs> but I'd say, great, well, you know, you're in 196 or whatever, and you've decided I'm not going to embrace you know automobile technology. I'm going to yeah. stick with horses. Okay, you're in you're in you know 2000 1999. And you're like this internet thing. I'm going to refuse to embrace it. It's going to take over. And you can refuse to embrace it. Your whole life is going to be like you're going to be stumbling through because, sure, you can ride horses. You can, you know, be an Amish person and just do whatever. Sure, I guess you could go. I will do nothing with the Internet, but it's connected to every single thing we do. So you're going to have to live in a cave because the Internet is literally stringing everything we do together, not just this kind of stuff or our phones. It's literally connecting the dots of so many things. So I'd say you can keep your head in the sand or you can realize there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. And the best you can do is figure out how to adapt and use it, you know, in a, in a, you know, in a way that's meaningful and positive. And you don't have to like go, you know, like there's ways, but sort of embrace it and and find the good in it versus it's back to the thing. It's just pure denial at this point. Yep. You know, it's like, it's one thing to have a disease and say, I'm going to beat it. It's another to go. I don't have the disease. Like, you know, like, I, yep. you know, it's so true. Yeah. And that, and that's a very fine nuance and distinction and you're spot on with that. Right. Cause people think it's not being, uh, ignorant about reality, but you want to see reality as it is. And still you got to control again, your response right. to reality. Right. So that's, that's a great right. uh, distinction yep. you pointed out. All, all coming back to the fall, which was, you know, the fall off the cliff again, which was the reality was I was going to die. Yep. There wasn't a subjective, maybe I'll live. Now, I guess there was because I lived, but the truth is on the current path I was, I was falling head first. I was going to crash head first and break my neck and bust everything up and die. Like the acceptance of that reality allowed me to change how I dealt with that reality, which in my case was to embrace and accept a couple moments and it reformed everything. So to me, it's to your point. It's like, pretending something's not real is not like a a smart solution embracing it. And then as you said, you can decide what you want to do with that reality. Yep. Absolutely. What do you think your life would be like today? If you didn't have that experience of falling off the cliff? Um, I think in some ways, I think I would have had a very stable life, much less exciting. Um, I think I would have like, probably gotten married to somebody not right for me and gotten divorced, had kids and had a massive midlife crisis and woken up to going, 
I feel like there was something in me that I just mm. never unleashed. And why didn't I unleash it like 30 years ago kind of thing? <laughs> you know, that yeah. or I might have just died. Like something would have yeah. killed me. Like all I know is I think what it, it unleashed would would have sooner or later crawled out of me and been like, why have you been keeping me locked away? Nope. And that's a great metaphor. I tell my clients a lot, like life's going to keep teaching you, giving you the same opportunity to, to learn the lesson until you actually learn it. But a lot of people, the fear, they don't want to learn it. They want to stay, keep their head in the sand. So first life will like sting you with a wasp. Then it's going to like punch you in the face. Then it's going to hit you with a bus, right? Like until you finally get it, right? <laughs> I knew we'd get the bus back in here. <laughs> so, <laughs> They hit you with the bus metaphor, but it's kind of true. And how you, you know, whether that kills you or you'll live has a lot to do with your attitude. It's like in movies and fantasy stories where it's sort of like, it's how you deal with the challenge that determines whether it kills you or not. The challenge yeah. won't inherently kill you. Your response and your attitude could. Right? Yeah. And if you mentally go through the journey, you survive the fire, the storm, whatever it is. If you don't, the storm just eats you alive. You know, it's it's so weird how much is in our head. But again, that's where for me, it's tricky because I sometimes don't know how I do it. Yep. You know, I mean, it should be you should create a skill. You should create a, a primer for people who like, you know, who like you need. Now that you're doing this, let's give you some foundational skills you can <laughs> lay in underneath it. So that it like, you know, like it's a little less of a, it's not a ricocheting train. <laughs> I don't know if it works that way, but. I, well, that's what I like to do with my clients. And again, a big part of coaching is I call it uncovering the patterns of genius. And we all have genius in our own way. Everybody's a genius. So, and I love yours. Yours would be, I call it the three seconds of presence. And I love how you said that, right? Because And we've already uncovered some of it too. And then it's just getting deeper and deeper into those nuances and unconscious patterns. So the cool thing is, again, what is noticing and being aware of some of the things that already came up to the surface and then we would continue to work on uncovering that. So I love that. Uh, so maybe yours, we could start a, as we continue our conversation, Rob, in the future, we'll focus on this, this idea of three seconds of presence. Right. I can see a book out of that. Three seconds of presence. A good time. Yeah, I love it. Three seconds of presence. <laughs> well, well to, to wrap it up, Rob, what would you say? Well, one is if people want to get a hold of you or connect with you or uh, reach out, is there a way they can do that? Yeah. So. And again, I've been a little negligent on it, but they can follow me on socials, yeah, um, Twitter, Instagram. And I'm going to start getting back in and start putting a lot more. I've, I've spent so much time diving into this, you know, roundtable platform with news, politics, and now the crypto stuff. Um, but it's at Rob Nelson Live is my oh. handle for everything. Cool. And that's Twitter and all that stuff, yeah. And Instagram, yep. At, cool. you know, even TikTok, which I used for a little while, at Rob Perfect. Nelson Live. Um, that's the easiest way. And then they can also, if you want to check out the website, is robnelsonlive.com. Cool. I love that. So it's and real quick, it's so it sounds like roundtable is a blend of what you were currently doing in terms of having these conversations of truth, but also bring in more of the, the crypto and blockchain things as well. Yes. So well, to be honest, Roundtable was a, a a the company was set up and I didn't start it. I'm one of the sort of the early co-founder types, but three guys mm -hmm. started it. It's a it's a the idea was to create a platform for multiple voices, mm -hmm. not a social platform, more of curated, but lots yeah. of diverse voices who could then independently get their message out and collectively 
profit from a dialogue, a roundtable where different voices come in. Business, politics, causes, nice. and crypto. The crypto part just took a life of its own where we now all the, the street.com, Jim Kramer's that started the massive financial online information platform. Um, we roundtable is all their crypto blockchain web three. So now Got I it. drive a, I driving a lot into there because all nice. that goes through us. Very cool. So, Amazing. It's, it's so, a lot of fun. So what final words or message would you like to leave the audience with as we wrap this amazing show up for today? Um, my, I, I, you know, it's a, it's a thought that I have talking to you, which is I come away with more questions than answers. And I think mm -hmm. maybe, although I feel like I have a lot of answers, like I feel like I've got a lot of answers, but yet I still have even more questions. And maybe, just maybe, you know, for me, the challenge is, you know, you mentioned the world, the times we're in. Sometimes I struggle with feeling hopeful mm. for, I'm an empath. I just look and I'm like, <clears throat> what, you know, what is wrong with us? Like people shooting people for like looking yeah. at them the wrong way, you know, Draw, you know, literally committing violent acts, horrific brutality and, and, and hate filled mess. And st just even in language. And I'm sometimes like to a guy who wants to unify us, I can get kind of yeah. <clears throat> a little like, are we too far gone? And then the other yeah. part of me is like, no, we're not too far gone. So more questions than answers is a good thing because that questions helps me answer that. But for me, a real question of how, and I know you have an answer to this, at least <clears throat> a version of it, because I've heard you say it before. Um, how, how do you, being if you're being honest and objective and not mm -hmm. denying what you see, you can't pretend every just happy go lucky. Like we're clear, it's clearly not. Um, no. Yet to remain positive through that versus discouraged, you know. And I'm not. A, I'm a. I'm an optimistic person, so I was going to try to find the good. But there's a. You know, I got a lot of demons, and I can just be like, wow, this is just. This is just too ugly. You know. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Johnny, is that a question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my my takeaway is more questions than answers, but yeah. one of them is how do you? I'm excited about everything we're talking about. I'm seeing yeah, 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 and then I'm like, but how do you deal with the fact that most of the world is just locked in a like ancient battle that's going to end with nothing good? Yeah. Well, one thing I would say is focus equals feeling. So where we choose to focus again and what we choose to focus on is going to produce a feeling in our nervous system and give us emotions. And then again, that's going to make us do certain things and not do certain things. So I'd say this is where, again, it starts with us managing our stories and our emotional state. Because if I don't, no matter how chaotic the world is, I'm not going to be helpful or useful or resourceful if I'm not in a good place. Same with like the metaphor, if you're on an airplane, I'm not going to save my kid first. I'm going to save me first because then I'll be able to save my kid. So I'd say it's really important. And again, it's not about denying the fact that things are happening. It's not about not helping. It's just first taking care of ourselves. And most people don't do that. They focus on, they kind of just go out and they just destroy themselves. And they, they're not very helpful anyway when they do that. So, and I love that quote where if you if you do want to change the world, change yourself, uh -huh. right? Like that too. It's like, uh -huh. just go sit and meditate or go out in nature and maybe journal uh -huh. or Something like that, because I do think a lot of the world's problems, unfortunately, are because people are trying to change the world, but we all have different beliefs and ways we think it should be done, even within our own families, like people uh -huh. can't get along, right? Why do we think right. 
communities and, and towns and cities and, won't necessarily do it. And and that is a t- last takeaway I would have. And by the way, I swear to God, I'm the guy that if I had a kid, I would put the mask on the kid first. I know I'm not supposed to, but, but it's a metaphor for life. I get it. Take yeah. care of yourself. But I'm like, you know what? I can hold my breath long to get this mask on the yeah. kid first. <laughs> so they don't have to see me doing it. And they're like, I'll be like, I got you, kid. And then yeah. whatever. I know that goes against the rules. But well, um, well that but, too, it's more just like a general uh, yes. uh, point. But go ahead. Yeah. No, and to your general point, yes. Yeah. If you don't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of the, you know, exactly. um, take care of the world around you? The big, the other big takeaway I have from my experiences today and, and, and all, and, and been testing this out is to the idea that there is people, you mentioned if you have a bad attitude with the pharmacist earlier in the show, you know, we put a lot of things on people and maybe they are, maybe they're not the nicest person. Maybe they aren't yeah. a bad, whatever, but it, I've been trying to truly approach situations and people with this sort of, this truly like loving sort of engaged, like like we're all in this together and it's an okay thing. And I find it almost always leads to something good. And even the like disgruntled people tend to be like less disgruntled. They're like reluctantly (laughs) give a little, like it's sort of like, I want to be disgruntled at you and I will be a little, but I'm going to be less so. And I just found like, it's sort of like, we are choosing how we want the world to respond around us. And, yeah. you know, and we all come in with a filter that everybody's like I just said, and I'm testing that out and finding it's amazing how people respond when you just put, put it out there with true, like love and openness and like, Hey, it's okay. Yep. Absolutely. One cool technique I like to try sometimes that my mentor taught me is whenever I get within like 25 feet of a human being right away, I start like sending love from my heart. Right. Mm. I like so, that. I like that. Yeah. And again, same thing. It's like, is it true or not? Is it placebo or not? But again, I'm going to show up differently. And and also there is a frequency, right? There's energy and people can feel more than a lot of times we're even aware yeah. of. So um, I, lo- I love but, that you know, uh, idea. I'm going to, I just want to say it. I know we got to go, but yeah, but you know, people do say it's a little like that woo woo thing, like, oh, you're putting out love, but isn't it interesting? No one ever says that about hate. Yeah. We feel hate. We viscerally yeah. feel hate. You can see hate in someone's eyes. You can see anger. You can feel it come in the room. You can feel hostility. So we all are fully aware of that. But then we go, I'm putting out love. And people are like, yeah, it's oh, like kooky. It's like, why yeah. is that kooky? Like, yep. like love is more powerful than hate. So why, if, if you can feel that one, imagine the, which you could get if you put out the other one. People are going to feel that like a tidal wave. Yep. It's so true. So to wrap it up, what would you say? Because you're really good at connecting with human beings. What would you say to somebody who wants to connect with somebody and bring a smile to somebody's face today? Um, Take the risk of leading into it with love. If you operate with Mm -hmm. fear, if you're hesitant, if you're whatever, they'll sense that and they'll react with fear. So you'll think they're being mean and you're like, I was going to try to be nice. It's like you kind of have to just it's that be uninhibited, you know, it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like, would you be willing to walk naked through a a store and be so confident that you're like, I'll say a God would walk naked through a store. God would do anything it wanted, knowing it's God. And and it'd be told it would set the rules. So you kind of got to be willing to be emotionally a little naked and go. I'm going to just say something. I'm just going to be really nice. I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to help you with your luggage and not worry that you're going to be like, you didn't ask for your help. I'm going to be yeah. like, yeah, I got that. You know, if you go, can I help you? Sometimes people say yes. If you just kind of like, here, I got it. Most people will be like, thank you. 
You know, like it's sort of like let the love work. Just I'm going to tell you something nice. I love that shirt you're wearing. Looks Mm -hmm. great on you. They might be like, but most likely they'll be like, thank you. Yeah. Just just put it out there and just trust it'll be okay. And if you get a little whatever, then just do it to the next person. Like it just works. Absolutely. I love that, Rob. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, man. It was a lot of fun. We're grateful you joined us for today's episode. If you've gained value from our conversation, please pass it on and take a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your support is crucial in helping us grow and connect with more individuals on the same journey as you. Don't miss out on our exclusive content. Subscribe to our newsletter for cutting-edge insights, proven tools, and strategies tailored for peak performance. Secure your free access with a simple click on the link below. It's been a pleasure to have you with us at the Peak Humans Podcast. Let this be a reminder that no summit is too distant if you persistently climb. Draw upon your untapped potential, aim for the highest of your dreams, and stride confidently towards your magnificence. Until our paths cross again, continue your ascent, Peak Humans. Stay empowered, remain resolute, and may each step you take lift you to greater heights. Farewell for now.